This is Fam Electric Ghost, and I interview indie bands from around the world. We have the Cons on the line from London. They are a UK stadium punk rock band, and we'll start right now. So, um, what? What? I just want to first start off your your band, the Cons. How did you get that name? What does it mean? Uh, it doesn't mean absolutely anything. <laughs> I mean, it's just um, well, we, we were in uh, in the front of a you know, of a pub and we were just having a chat. And then at some point we were trying to understand what was the best choice for a name of a band. And we found out there were some, uh, we were drinking some cans. So we, we decided, why don't, don't we call ourselves the cans, uh, just like the cans that you drink. But then we, we, we wanted to make it more futuristic in terms of uh, the way it sounds. Oh, okay. A and, Z, and that's how the name was built, basically. Okay, <laughs> Doing cool. a night out, let's say. Well, it's good to know the history yes. on a band, yeah. Because sometimes there's there's like a bit there's another story, but that's cool. That's a story in itself. So, so when did you first? Yeah, get, yeah. When did you guys first get into music? I don't know who. Are you the only one on the line, or is the whole band on the line? I, uh, sorry, say it say it again. Are you? Say it and get it. Yeah, for, the, for the interview, are you the primary person on the interview, or do you have the whole band there? No, I, I'm only, it's only me today because unfortunately, because of, of lockdown, um, we're not able to stay together at the moment. <laughs> okay, okay, that's cool. So, so like, first questions, I sent you a bunch of questions. When did you first get into, yes. into music? At what age did you get into music? Uh, so, um, I would say, the, um, uh, you know, the, the first time that we met was like a university when we, when it was, uh, we were, going to music a music university here in london it's called icmp so we met uh there and then uh some there were, there's been some changes in the, in the in the team and then after a while i also got in one of my best friends he's called francesco he's italian as well and so we de- we decided to go on with the band now there is a full a full team going on uh it's been uh, a couple of years now that we're going ahead and um, and yeah, we just uh, we just meet and make music, and we try to play live as much as we can, basically. So the band's maybe two, two, three years old. Yeah, two, three years ago. Yeah. How long have you been doing music? Sorry, say it again. How long have you been performing music yourself? How long? Have- um, myself. It's been oh, since I was nine years old. I was like, uh, my, actually, I didn't, I didn't want to care about music, honestly. <laughs> but my my dad, he he wanted me. He thought it was very important for me to learn an instrument, so he just forced me to go and learn some guitar. And after a couple of lessons, I started enjoying it. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna be, a, I'm gonna buy my own guitar. Uh, I'm gonna buy a, an electric guitar. And then I started, you know, uh, falling in love, falling in love with rock and roll and the, the 90s and all that stuff so i got into it so you're the lead singer and you're also a guitar player in the band yes i am so you, yes i am singer and i'm also the main songwriter so are you the lead guitar player or like the rhythm guitar player rhythm rhythm guitar player because uh, uh, i believe it's kind of really hard to to sing while you're playing a little guitar so i i, yeah. I chose i chose the the, the cheaper option <laughs> yeah you, you get, but it, yeah once in a while you get a clapton or you get a you know you get a hendrix and even then you know they're not the best exactly. te- technical singers yeah, they're not the best technical yeah, singers yeah you know what i mean <laughs> that's correct yes absolutely <laughs> um but um 
Yeah, so that's interesting. So you you so do you write primarily on guitar or do you write like on piano? Some people are able to write songs from guitar or piano. Do you so write from your guitar? I Yeah, primarily I use the, the guitar. Um even though I like to say that my primary uh composition tool is my brain because I just uh, so music I think it happens in in the mind like you're just walking around you have this something in your mind and uh, this little melody or this little chord progression whatever and um and then you just build i just build around all of that so sometimes it can be that i'm just in front of the guitar sometimes it can be also in front of a piano but most of the times i have to say the guitar is just a way to make become real what's already done in my mind you know it's already written in my mind so the guitar is just like you know um something to get to make it real <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean yeah i mean i'm a songwriter i'm a producer I'm, I'm a keyboardist i'm an electronic musician myself i play a lot of that's amazing analog synths like modes and rollins yamas but but I understand i'm sure you know a lot about it then <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I guess yeah the idea that you know songwriters they have like the idea of the song like is in their head it's just how they yes. how they communicate that to the rest of the band or the rest of the world or how they get that out of their head and into like a digital audio workstation or an analog board or however you do. So when you when you work, do you I've talked to a lot of musicians over the last three years and some people, they take voice memos, uh, you know, on their phone. They put it on. Yeah. Like yeah. Taskam or Fostex or then they or they put it into, you know, a DAW. So when you take it from your from your head when you're working on a demo, do you, what tools do you use to to put your your ideas down? Oh, so I have um, I don't use a lot of stuff because I like to know very well the few tools that I use. So first of all, I'm a Logic Pro X user, and mm -hmm. um, so I love Logic because it's I, f I find it's quite simple to use, and uh, uh, I spend a lot of time on it. Uh, also because of university. That's what they were teaching us. So okay. we had to learn a lot. <laughs> Even though I think Ableton is probably the best DAW, um, probably one day I'm gonna learn it somehow. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm using Logic at the moment, which is the primary tool uh, through which I, I put my ideas, you know, into music and I make the arrangements uh, before getting them to to the mixing engineer. Um, also, I use a MIDI keyboard, of course, which uh, I use an Akai, which uh, uh, just a, just a 25 keys. I don't I don't need more than that. I'm very I'm very minimalistic. Yeah. Um, because I like to keep a lot of space on my desk when I'm working on the songs. So to me, all I need is a guitar, uh, Logic Pro X, audio interface. I use a Focusrite, um, Scarlett uh, uh, 6i6 third generation mm -hmm. and I use uh, the Akai 25 wireless and my favorite piece of gear which is the Helix mm -hmm. and it's um, the, the pedal board uh, okay. from Line 6 which is my favorite piece of gear it's just amazing what you can do with that <laughs> that's interesting I'm, I'm kind of into this new movement for the last couple of years I, I'm a dollless recorder so I take my analog synths and I record them into hardware recorders uh, uh, just because yeah, I like well, capturing like analog sense like modes and you know I think analog analog is always the best option. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> when you're when you're developing something on a mode, it's kinda like point in time. 
because it's like whatever you get today might not be what it is tomorrow. So, 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 so that you kind of capture it and put it down so you can reuse it as a clip. You can bring it into something exactly. else, but, but it's kind of cool to kind of capture it as it is. But yeah, so yeah, it's something that is, that, that is unique. It's your also on, only in your own studio. So I think that's absolutely great that you're doing that way. Yeah, I mean, for years I tried to use Ableton and I just, I'm, I kind of started my career. I'm in my 50s. I started with Fostex and task amps, like with. Oh really? Yeah, with, That's super cool. With like a, I had a D50 back in the day. I'm in. I'm in, I'm in my 50s, right? But I had a Roland D50. I had a mini mini Moog, and I used to just direct quarter inch it into a Fostex or a task amp. Um, I hope you're gonna get me a tour in your house one day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I just I just kind of got stuck on doing it like that. But I understand. Uh, and I'm, the only thing I moved up is to do like Tascam 24s and you know Zoom L20s and stuff like that. But yeah, I kind of go that way. Um, amazing, amazing. But, I'd love to. I'd love to join you. <laughs> well, I think it's cool to just kind of. I grew up like liking bands like the Almonds. I and I, I have a punk aesthetic, so I really understand where you guys are coming from. But my punk aesthetic kind of comes from like Joy Division. Who's to do the replacements? You know, bands like that, like the early '80s yeah. punk bands. Oh, the legends! Yeah, yeah, the I legends. See, I see you're, you're into like more of the '90s bass bands, so I, I wanted to ask well, you, like, like in terms of like the '90s and the 2000s, who, who are your like influences? Uh, so I'm, I've always tried to do something that is different from what I have already heard, but I would have. I would I would not say that it's a lot of a mix of all the bands that I that I listen to so far. So um, there, I think there's a bit of Green Day. Mm-hmm. I hear, uh, I hear that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, because that's why I started playing rock guitar. You know, there was a concert on MTV. I remember I was just a little child, and I opened up the TV, and it was Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day doing this awesome show on MTV, and I was like, I was just fell in love in that moment and i said i need to get a guitar uh, so so that's how it started and then i also got influenced by you know all the pop punk scene as i uh, blink 22 uh Sun 41 yeah. and but but the band that i'm running now um the cans i think is more related though to uh electronic sounds as well yeah. um yeah, i, hear that. I, I would say a lot a lot a lot of Linkin Park and Muse and all this stuff, yeah. Yeah, I hear a little Depeche Mode. I hear some of the, like, New Romantic. I hear some of the classic New Order, you know, a little bit of Joy yeah. Division. Yeah. It's more, like, that's, like, the, the like the prototype for those guys. But you guys are taking, like, the bands that were influenced by, like, Joy Division or New Order. Um, yes. But I hear mm-hmm. that kind of synth wave. Well, it's actually, like, a variation of New Wave, which has become, like, Electronica synth wave. Um, but you know the base of it goes back to the you know the the eighties, and then before that, you had guys like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and Yes, and Genesis, like the old school guys. That's kind of where I live in, in in the old progressive of like the bands like Yes and Genesis. But um, um, absolutely, we we are trying to uh, to get to mix all of those with the scene of the nineties and the pop punk because I thought I thought especially in the last few years, the older band. Um, the band teams, you know, they, they were all with the same kind of instruments. They were not using a lot of synthesizers, especially in pop punk. So what we try to do is to try bring new sounds into the pop punk scene. Um, and, you know, with the technology of today, you can really achieve sounds that 
probably you know you can only just a few years ago you could only hear them in cinematic hollywood movies and now you can just put them in your pop punk song so that's absolutely incredible and it definitely is one point up for creativity and for us of course yeah i was listening to your track carpe diem and that was a very much like a new wave kind of kind of 80s experiment like a band like like yes like a a depeche mode or you know what cure might have done because it was like a very heavy synth and it was like not not a typical like modern electronic arrangement it was more like like a new romantic arrangement you know which was interesting yes so it's coming from a different place but that's what i like about new wave was that you could kind of go anywhere you, you, you didn't you didn't have to be stuck in a particular genre you like if you want to do something like neoclassical you want to do funk or you want to do a little rock you could kind of go duran duran was all over the place you know the, the, yeah so the I, if you, yeah if you have that as a model you you're kind of like the clash you know the clash were able to kind of go from punk into like caribbean and like a, you know funk and and new wave yes they, they mixed everything so like the clash to me was like the one of the greatest punk bands because they didn't just stay in punk they kind of went beyond it absolutely absolutely i think also that the audience of today is very different from the audience that was a few years ago because now with the internet i think uh you know you have access to so many more artists and bands and on spotify you can really look up for uh, loads and loads of different music so which is amazing because you you get so many, uh, you can influence my much more than what you were influenced before. And, uh, and also you get, you get to, to mesh up all of this genre and you don't even know what you're going for. <laughs> you just surprise yourself doing a song. I don't even know how to, what yeah. label to put on this genre. It, it's interesting, <laughs> yeah, because if you're a musician, right, you have your musical ear and you might not, subconsciously, you might be getting influenced by like Zeppelin or the Allman Brothers or the Sex Pistols. And you write a song, you didn't even realize that you like, it was in your subconscious. And you kind of like, it's not like you're trying to clone your heroes. It's just, you kind of, you know, as you listen to music, you're going to pull in your, your influences. Subconsciously yes. or overtly, it depends on what you're doing. I think what's cool is when it's kind of subconscious and it's kind of like, you didn't realize you were going to do that, but it kind of just happened. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you feel, oh, I didn't know I was like, you know, into that. But then you find yourself actually loving it, loving that style that maybe you didn't even notice before. So um, absolutely. You can be consciously or, or subconsciously, as you were saying. But uh, uh, I guess that's why music is so powerful, because it's a language that is now spoken. And it just, it's just about the, the emotions and the feelings both for the people who are listening, but also for the musicians themselves. Yeah, because you mentioned, like, you do a lot of stuff in your mind. So a lot of music, you know, I'm in, you know, I kind of, coming from an African-American tradition, a lot of African-American mm-hmm. musicians, we're all kind of feel-based or, like, soul-based or heart-based. We kind of, like, technically, we know how to read and stuff, but a lot of times, if I'm going to write, I kind of kind of do it based on a groove, you know? I'm going to do it based on a feel. Yeah. And, and, and you know. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm kind of groove oriented, you know, like a funkadelic or I'll listen to James Brown or I'll listen to Sun Ra or listen to Brubeck or something, or Coltrane. I'm kind of going for feel. So does that, like, is that kind of mm-hmm. what you like to do or do you like to go for specific type of arrangements or do you kind of go for what the heart of it is? No, I think so. I have I use a loads and loads of uh, VSTs and plugins on, on Logic on my DBW. Uh, usually I love, so 
there are a few things that I especially love. I love cinematic stuff. So if I can put some orchestral stuff, I always put it, you know, violins, mm-hmm. um, saddles. I, I love this. The, the warmth of those instruments to me is just incredible, especially uh, with, this, with the tools that you can use today and reverbs and, uh, yeah, yeah. and delays and all this stuff. You can just create such epic atmospheres in songs that probably were not supposed to have them, but that's why they surprise people. And so I love to do that. Um, I also put a lot of electronic stuff. So I use Serum for, uh, for creating, you know, uh, synthesizer melodies, especially the leads, um, but also some bass lines and arpeggios, arpeggiators, stuff like that. Um, and also, what else do I I love the Fab Filter plugins. Uh, I mix usually with them. Um, and as in terms of arrangement, I'd say the electronic music and classical music are the things that I go to to make pop punk different from the usual, you know, bass, yeah. drums, yeah. and guitar, vocals. Because I think that kind, I think it's, it's been probably made everything that it was possible to make in terms of that kind of... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, if you go into, like, you think about the Sex Pistols or a band like Who's to Do or Replacements, they're kind of raw. Or you like a band like the Ramones. There's only so yeah. much you can do in that kind of bass, guitar, you know, dr- uh, drum... You know, just a yeah. three or four piece band is kind of raw. I mean, in bands have kind of been amazing. Sometimes you'll take a four piece band and they come up with something amazing. And it's like, wow, I didn't think they, I thought they, that's all they could do. But, but yeah, it's the, the, you know, being a synthesis, you know, I use a lot of Moogs and Rollins and like hardware synths. And I kind of reimagine through my Euro racks, you know, and effects systems I have. They kind of take yeah. the old technology and you can kind of recreate new things all the time if you're building sound design on yeah. a pure analog. And I, I think like also that's why that's what that keeps you alive because if you have to keep, to keep always the same, you know, four people in the band and that, yeah. that's all where your creativity can go, I think yeah. you're going to get bored after a while. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless you're like a Hendrix, then you somehow come up with things, that, you know, constantly coming up with things like a guys like a jimmy page or a keith richards they constantly of course up with stuff but you know like you can get like if you're in a punk kind of zone you might be limited in, as far as you could go you know because that that kind of doesn't imply that you're bringing in the blues or you're bringing in jazz you're kind of limited yeah. in, in some structures so yeah if you bring in the tools you're talking about and then the tools i'm well, talking about yeah i mean you can expand pop punk is pop punk is all based on power chords so you need to find something different. Anything nowadays, we need. If we are keep on doing pop punk and punk rock, uh, we do need to find some alternatives to just the power chords because we're not, as you said, we're not as not being, you know, uh, John Petrucci or um, or, or, or Jimmy Anderson. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we or even I like Andrew we, Van Halen. You're not you're not using classical scales. You're not using classical compositions. You're not not using like Beatle chords. So you can't go in that kind of more yeah. psychedelic area because you're kind of restricted to the power chord, you know. But um, exactly, exactly. And, so unless you, unless you go the route of like Pete Townsend in the Who, you know, mm-hmm. who I think the Who were the original punks, and so I yeah. think if you think about the Who, you could expand it if you went that far, you know. Yeah, of course. But I think I think you know the good thing about being uh, yeah not yet that that famous as they are is they they have to keep on doing that music <laughs> even if they don't want it anymore 
Yeah, because yeah. I'm just saying the they, compositional structure of the Who is like they 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 did the power chords, but they were able to be very innovative, and they exactly. weren't like limited to like a Ramones or or Clash or Sex Pistols style of doing it. They were able to expand Absolutely. the range of that. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But but um, yeah, so there's different ways to look at things. You can get into grunge, you can expand, you know, punk to be like what Pearl Jam or Nirvana did, which is more of an expansion of like bringing Beatle kind of concepts into punk. You know, absolutely agree. Yes, absolutely agree. Um, so um, so like one of the questions I always we went to the whole thing about your genre, which you kind of cross genre. Um, but but in terms of um, like live playing, like in, during the it, during the coronavirus, like up until the coronavirus, I read your your bio. You were playing a lot live shows throughout London or UK. Um, so, what are you guys taking advantage of, like online, or are you primarily just doing like uh, you know working on new music? Um, so at the moment, we're not doing live shows online uh, because we were, we are focusing on making new music, basically, and new music videos. Uh, we thought that the best way to get our, uh, our music heard and people, you know, to come and actually listen to our music more than uh, more than that than now, it was to keep on releasing content and music videos. And I think that's where we put our energy because to uh, to me, live music is like the most fun thing, and it's so beautiful and it's so cool that to do it online, it just doesn't feel the same. <laughs> um, so I kept, I, I preferred, we preferred to uh, kept, you know, to keep on just um, working on the actual music for a new album, which we're gonna, we're gonna record in, uh, in February. And, uh, and now we are, we are focusing on the mix of two singles will be coming out this, uh, before the end of the, of the, of the year. Uh, with two new music videos, of course, and um, we're also preparing the backing tracks, the whole backing track set for the um, for the next live shows. When he's gonna be able, you know, when we're gonna be able to play again live, um, and that's the most exciting part because I think we just prepared some amazing backing track which involves orchestral music and uh, special effects. As you, as you, we were talking before. Um, I spent the whole lock lockdown with my uh, bandmates creating this absolutely gorgeous arrangement of uh, orchestral music on the top of a pop punk, um, you know, standard arrangement. And so, yeah, we're looking forward basically to, to, to release those new songs that we have ready and uh, to play live shows, not online, but uh, in actual venues. But who knows? If it happens, if it happens, I wasn't going to accept it, of course. Yeah, I just wondered, do you have like a fallback? Like if, if, if you can't play live in 2021, would you think about doing finding a way to do online? Uh, no, we, we didn't uh, try it yet. Maybe I'm going to try it. I don't know. I, have not, I, have, I haven't tried it. I haven't looked up for it at the moment, I have to say. I, I've been focused totally on the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as a, as a, I'm more of a solo artist for like a bedroom studio, so I've been Prior to the coronavirus, I've been doing online concerts since like 2016 um, from my home studio. Oh. So I've just gotten equipment to be able to, you know, do do a performance from my home studio. And now that's kind of like a, the new thing. But I've found all kinds of cool ways to be able to do it that actually are interesting. But it's not because it's not just oh, being being a sensor. send me some tips then. Yeah, yeah. send me some. Yeah, the bunch <laughs> of stuff on my Instagram that basically are from my home studio. 
Oh. <laughs> That's cool, man. I'm very glad that you did it. It's great that we can keep the music live yeah. even on the yeah. It's just a way of yeah. It's just a way of being. A, if you're a single person, like if you got a full band, I can understand it's hard to get the drummer and to get everybody in the practice area, especially if you got rules saying you can't be together. Um, but if you're like a solo artist, you know that has like a bunch of synthesizers and you can have your whole sound represented when you when you do it. And then it works. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. But if you're a band, and yeah, I've talked to a bunch of bands where the problem has been that they can't get their drummer in, you know? So maybe they could do like an unplug, but they can't get the drummer in. Yeah. And they can't get, the, you know, they can't share like a, a, a performance with the drummer in one location. And because of the synchronization, it's like off on the net. So you did, it won't be in sync. So you can't, no. you can't do it. You're going to go crazy. If you yeah, do that. it doesn't work. So that. I can understand why, like, if you're in a full band, it's really hard to do that um, unless you can get to the yeah. same like area to, to perform, you know. So that's cool. Absolutely. So the thing about you guys been re- releasing a lot of singles, and now I just heard that you're actually working toward an album. So are all the singles that are out there, like on Spotify right now, are those going to be on the new album? Or you got a whole bunch of new ones that are going to represent this new album. No, no, we're going to do a new whole album. Um... I always like to do new stuff. Like uh, there's gonna be about uh, eleven or twelve songs, something like that. Um, but before going to the studio in January or February, uh, we're gonna release two new songs. Uh, one of them in uh, I think in October, November, and the other one in December. Well, those, uh, are those gonna be on the album, or those are still separate? No, no, no. They're just single. And also, I don't, I don't think. I don't think albums are the right uh, way to release music nowadays, unless you're, of course, a famous artist as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, it doesn't make sense because I spend so much, we spend so much money, so, so much time, you know, making the songs that if we feel like that all of that money is not going to be, uh, you know, all of those songs are not going to be rewarded for all the work that has been put in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. There's there's no much sense of releasing them all together. I think we, you know when you know what uh, even the the artists I love, I don't know their whole albums. Basically, most of them, uh, maybe my favorite ones, yes, but most of them I just know the songs that I love, uh, and they are famous artists. So we we are not uh, that level not, uh, yet, but uh, we want people to grow, um, you know, exponentially with us growing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we release music that they can enjoy, and then after. A couple of months, we release another song with another video, and that's how we're gonna do everything. I think the album that we're gonna really uh, record in February, I don't think it's gonna be an actual album. We're just gonna record it all, but then we're gonna release it, uh, you know, song by song, little oh, by little. So you don't think you'll actually release it on vinyl or CD? You wouldn't do that. I don't think it's worth it, honestly. I think. It's just a waste of my. Uh, um, it costs a lot of money to to publish an album and to, uh, to produce it and to um, to promote it. Especially promotion costs a lot of money, and uh, so we want to give every in each one of songs the right amount of promotion they need and they they deserve, uh, so that so that people can actually you know have contact flowing. Uh, in their Instagram posts, <laughs> in the Instagram feeds, the whole time. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I, I, I mean, like, I'm in my 50s, so I kind of grew up in the era of the album. Um, yeah, and I, I still kind of listen to music that way because that's kind of where I come from. 
but I do understand as I as and as an artist myself, I do release primarily singles, but I still mm-hmm. I still have projects coming out as EPs and, and albums. Just because I'm kind of on the, on the indie level, so I have like downloadable albums coming out because I because I like to write concepts. I kind of come from the era of like Pink Floyd and Yes, and so a lot of my work oh, no, but- is meant to be listened together as a concept. Um, but uh, to be honest, I, I come from the same kind of concept. Uh, in the 90s, albums were still a great thing. And, and also in the 2000s, um, I think it's just a recent, a recent thing that people are not buying a lot of albums anymore. Even though in the rock scene, I think in the rock scene, there are still a lot of people buying albums. Yeah, um, in the hip-hop scene, people still buy albums. Like if the different genres, yeah. like if you listen to hip-hop, albums are still like the, uh, a big focus. A lot of bands have concepts that within the hip-hop yeah, yeah. market their people are willing to buy it as a full concept. Um, yeah. So, so. No, but I love album. Yeah. The, the idea is great. It's just very risky if you are willing to put a lot of money in it because well, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. the it promotion of a whole yeah. album. Music, yeah. yeah. It depends on what level you put into it. Like it's, if, I, if I decide to put something out through a distribution channel and it doesn't actually cost me a lot because I've got a way to do it, then, then I do it. Um, and I, and I, I simultaneously put out singles, but I also still put out concepts and I don't do it at a very expensive level. I just kind of do it because I, I want to do it. Um, but, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, every band has their own idea of what they want to do and how they're going to do it. Um, Absolutely. There, there is no formula. There is no formula. Everybody has his own way to do that. Um, I just care a lot about my songs and, and the work I put in it. And, um, so I, I, I like to give them, you know, the proper promotion to each one of them. Yeah, so you're um, feeling like in this market, the single is the is the, only, the best way for you to fully give each one of your songs like the best chance. Exactly, yeah. Because, you know, you never know when some of one of those songs can be a hit, but you need to give them a chance. That's my philosophy. Yeah, <laughs> we're kind of living in an era that reminds me of the late, um, late 50s, early 60s. If you think about it, like the Motown era, almost all the Motown bands released singles like consistently, like almost every month, every week. You know, they were, yeah, yeah, they, they were, and they were <laughs> just throwing them out there and seeing what hit. And then if they got like four number ones, then they would put an album out that had those four number ones on it. You know, yeah, no, that was, that was much more fun, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, so I think that you know, because that's kind of a strategy, like if you. If you suddenly start kicking and you start hitting and you get like four songs hit the hit the charts, then maybe you would like okay, maybe I'll put an EP of those four out, you know, as a package yeah. if that works. So you kind of you kind of ramp to what is happening. Like if you suddenly get a response, then maybe it would make sense to do that. But um, you know, you kind of just look at what the market's doing and you kind of react to it. Yes, absolutely. Um, also, I think it's important to know the the kind of fan base that you have you know the people that love your music do they want an album or do they like singles i think this is an important question to ask yourself yeah because yeah you gotta see different... like, is your if your are your fans like primarily playlist people who take the favorite yeah. songs they like and put them on a title playlist or a spotify or an apple playlist and they, they don't really listen to yeah. full projects you know, you know, if they, if all your fans are on on uh, Spotify saving playlists, and that's the only way they play music, it doesn't really make sense for to, to for you to, uh, you know, uh, to do an album, uh, release an album, and they are not gonna buy because they're gonna listen to it on Spotify. Yeah, that's, um, that's where you might go to Bandcamp. Like, if you got fans on Bandcamp, 
right? And yeah, you know, you got fans on CD Baby, and you can do a micro CD like on a, on a CD Baby or one of these like companies that puts out vinyl. Like I, from time to time, put out like a limited edition vinyl for like a thousand copies, right? And then my hardcore fans will buy it. And I don't go crazy. That's very cool. That's a very cool idea. Yeah. So, so you can do micro level batches to get ideas out, and then your hardcore fans do it, and you actually can make pretty good money if you do it right. Um, so like, absolutely. So you don't have to kind of say, "Well, I don't have to run a hundred thousand or ten thousand. I can run like a five hundred or a thousand, and then still be able to get the idea that I like concept album. So I'm going to put out an album that way. But I'm going to do it on mm-hmm. Bandcamp. Or I'm going to do it on CD Baby. I'm going to do it that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, possible yeah. it's just it. not about the way you market it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just dependable where your head's at and what you're trying to do. But um, so what what are your thoughts of like collaborating with other bands? Are you guys primarily just working on the cons, or do you work with other artists and like collaborate with other people in your scene? Um, so in terms of like music, original music, I we usually do our own stuff uh, by ourselves. We didn't do any. Uh, collaborations yet um, but in terms of, li- of live music we do collaborate a lot we're, we're collaborating uh, with a lot of bands in the London scene you know for the live shows to uh, bring people together um, to we did a, a couple of you know uh, uh, streamed um, interviews plus streaming the music videos that we have and stuff like that into actual punk rock um, format online streaming stuff oh, cool. so uh, we, we were collaborating on that and now we uh, we're organizing we're arranging festivals all together in which we call you know all the bands that we know because we know each other uh, and we we make this festivals uh in the london scene in the london pubs and um obviously for now this is not much doable because of covid yeah, but yeah. we the we are already planning on doing some online stuff online festivals and uh, also uh, when everything is going to come back to normal the actual festival you know in the venues of london which i'm pretty sure they're hungry for live music oh, <laughs> everybody yeah. it is yeah have you guys like in, in the u.s what's been going on is like um driving theaters are kind of being repurposed to do concerts so some, yes. some bands are being able to go to drive-ins and everybody stays in their car. And then the bands are like, they build a stage like where the screen would be. And then they also project it. So then you're able to actually do an outdoor concert when everybody's in their car. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, so, that's, that's very true. Yeah, so I don't know if that's happening in the UK, but in the US, people are starting to set stuff up like that. Um. um Right here in the UK, no, I haven't seen it. But yeah, it's, but I, it's maybe, probably maybe somebody will figure it out. But we have like a <laughs> old driving that can be kind of brought back. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh, the thing about America, sometimes they don't tear stuff down and it's still there. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, so they can kind of bring things back. <laughs> um, uh, that's and, great. Sometimes you're like, well, that's an ice orbit. They're like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. They can actually bring it back. <laughs> but um it is it is yeah so that's kind of like a bad thing it suddenly becomes a good thing but um yeah so yeah so yeah, like the different ways people are trying to figure out how to get you know like some venues are like making it so nobody can be at the venue 
but but a band can actually go into a like a club and do a performance and then live stream it. So you have access to all the equipment and then it gets live streamed from the club. So yeah, so yeah, this is thing into the with something like that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you think absolutely yeah. it's it's just at the moment uh, at the moment is uh um so it's the, the, the first problem is that to reunite all the band members because because of COVID, people, you know, uh, they, they maybe went away back to their conscious and then they came back and then, they, you know, it's everything a little bit all, all over the, the place. And also, the, oh, it's like hard they're hard back to do a practice. Like, like, is this, like oh, yes, it is. Has <laughs> that been a big problem? Like, you guys are all having to record remotely in your own home studios. You're not able to yeah. get together to a practice area, right? No, exactly. Well, this is what we've been doing the whole time, honestly, uh, during the lockdown. Um, work remote, uh, remotely and just, you know, sending the sessions, uh, Logic sessions or Ableton session, whatever, uh, to each other and recording the stuff. So, um, yeah, so I'd they say... Haven't, they haven't opened it up where they can allow, like, four people to be together. You know, the, the rules are still like, you guys can't do that. They, they, the rules, so, yeah, like, um, yeah, no, the live music is not allowed yet, unfortunately. And also, if there are some pubs that allow people in now in UK, but the 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 capacity is very limited. So some of the venues don't even want to open up because uh, it costs so much money to open up the venue, and then don't get yeah, the money back yeah, you don't from make the. Enough. Like if you can't fill a three hundred seat club and it's only at like what fifty people in a exactly. three hundred seat club, then you're not really gonna make the money for even operating. You know, that's the, yeah, yeah, that's been the problem. <laughs> so that, that's that's the reason why we're focusing more on the music and the music videos because we thought that maybe that was the the best way to get to reach people with with the best you know the the do, best do way we can. To, do you guys go to full recording studios? Are you allowed to go to a recording studio and record in the studio? Are you guys no, just no. using like Ableton and and Logic? You not you don't go to like full recording studios. Oh, usually we we used to go a lot. Unfortunately, uh, because of lockdown, they all closed down, so we don't. Oh, so the, in the U.S., like in California, some of the recording studios have opened. Um, are open? Uh, they're so, open. So, yeah, but they 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 have like new rules where all the engineers are wearing masks, and you know. Okay. You, you gotta wear a mask before you go into the booth, and then like everybody in the band's wearing a mask. If they're like a guitar player or a keyboarder, you're wearing a mask, and the engineers wearing a mask, and the producers wearing a mask. All, okay. All the, all the technical staffs were in them. So they got very specific rules and they're starting to open some of them up. So I didn't know if that kind of stuff was going on. You guys have the, the government said, hey, God, we're not even going to do that. <laughs> we are, we are, at the moment, we're just sending uh, logic sessions over to Gmail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah. I've done that myself. I work with like a lady in California and I, I was sending stuff off my Zoom and she had FL yeah. Studio and I was sending all my, all my stems. And we're kind of going yeah. back between like using my my stuff, my hardware recorders and her using FL Studio. And we're kind of going back and forth. Uh, yeah. Do you, you want to do the master on FL? You want me to do it on my hardware? <laughs> <laughs> so we're yeah, kind of exactly. going back and forth, you know. This is the new music. way. This is the new way music is 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 going on, yeah. you know, so, you through the storm. Like, do you guys do like Zoom meetings to discuss tracks? Do you um, have like, or, or do you like like video meetings to discuss the song? Or do you kind of just go back and forth? Um, I'd say we're kind of the band that usually just you know uh, most of well we have some chats over to uh, not only over to Zoom but on Facebook or on WhatsApp. 
Um, but um, I think most of the, th the time I just, you know, we just send the session to each other and we put our ideas in it. And then somehow we managed to, to have a full arrangement and, uh, and kind of a demo. Um, obviously, because we're not uh, able to record uh, drums in a proper, uh, in a proper you know, recording studio, because the, I think drums is the most hard thing yeah, to record. Hard thing, yeah. yeah, so um, we, we were using a lot of uh, virtual instruments to, um, to make the demos. And then when we're gonna, you know, when everything is gonna be open again and uh, functionally working, then we're gonna record the drums properly and obviously the vocals. But everything else, we're trying, we're trying to do everything that we can possibly do at home uh, and just sending the session to each other. And of course, we're just waiting for the time that venues are gonna allow live music again so that we can show our new live set to people. Looking forward to it, honestly. <laughs> Have you guys like thought of using like drum triggers to like MIDI, like having your drummer? I don't know if your drummer has the capability to have his kit like create triggers that you can then put into like a, a DAW and adjust that way. Have you or you guys wouldn't do that? Um, so I, I love I love to use samples. I have to say I love to use samples, but I, I also love to keep the feel of the drummer. So okay. what I I would usually do is to um, so to record the drummer and then I usually put a gate on the kick and snare um, and uh, it's, it's usually a hard gate, like it's, it's a pretty fast gate uh, that it, it only leaves the feel of the drummer and, and, and uh, leaves space because it's, it's a fast gate, it leaves space for the sample to, to sound properly. Come in. Yeah. So what happened? Like, yeah, like a trigger, because some people can actually use triggers you know like a, a drum trigger like you can actually have a set create a trigger and then you can actually pull it in and then it can be sent to any drum but it has the feel of the yeah. actual drummer playing but then you can adjust it um oh but you mean yeah. like in the, in the recording studio or live well there are abilities like i had i had a drummer that actually had a device that he was able to mic his drum set and actually create triggers midi triggers from his playing, right? And then he actually ah, okay. would send it so it would come into like a DAW and then you'd actually have the real feel of oh, the I drum. See. But, then, but then you could, because it's a trigger, you could apply it to any kind of drum sound, right? Mm. It was, it oh, was absolutely. Of, yeah, it was that kind of the feel of him playing. Um, and then he was able to kind of bring in and make adjustments to make it work. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, now, nowadays I think you can do everything. You can do everything. Yeah. Even without uh, the, the acoustic drums, honestly, I, I, I yeah, feel yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff you could do, but it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's more technical and it's easier if you just were in the studio. But yeah, yeah. if you had to do it, it's possible. But I have to say, the only important thing is that you make it as real as possible using, um, you know, transient, uh, yeah, transient yeah. shapers or um, delays and uh, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Because uh, if you put a lot of Effort on that. I'm. I'm sure you can get some freaky, amazing drums if you if you really put some good effort in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times I'll just use analog drum machines. Like my, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. You know, so I use a lot of analog drum machines and do kind of. Random That's cool. What, what do you use? What what drum machine? Do you I have use? a, I have a, I have a Moog um, D fan, which is a drummer from. It was a fully analog modular drum machine. Ah, nice. But it doesn't nice. MIDI at all, and it has the yeah. ability to kind of. You can take the LFO and have that run the drum, 
right? So you you could take like a Euro rack sampler and then send the rhythm of a sampled track I, into the drummer drum machine. It'll actually create a rhythm that's based on a prior sample. I love it. I absolutely so you, like. It must so be you, it must be much more fun than doing it with a uh, with a virtual uh, sample. Well, it's kind of cool because then you because you you because you have an analog sample, it has like an organic feel. You know, yeah. so it it doesn't sound like it's just doing the same beat all the time. It's very kind of, it's kind of sloppy. It's kind of like the way Keith Richards plays, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you have this kind of sloppy capability, but I like that because if I have something that's not exactly on the beat, but it's rhythmic, it gives me a feel like it's not, it's not canned. It doesn't sound like it's digital, you know? It sounds more. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I absolutely agree. <laughs> Yeah, so you call I, it a little, a little bit of a swing is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so if I can get something to sound a little off, you know, kind of a jazz guy, like I listen to Sun Ra and Brubeck and all stuff like that. So I kind of I like drums that are a little off. I like like mm. a Keith Moon. To me, I like a drummer that solos through the whole song. You know? That's the that's where the beauty stands, man. Yeah, that's where yeah. the beauty stands. The, the yeah. beauty is not perfect. The beauty is is unper unperfect. It's, Totally yeah, I mean, Ring, Ringo's unexpected. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Ringo's cool, but I like Mitch Mitchell and I like uh, I like Keith Moon because because they were kind of like they soloed through like the whole song. They they yeah yeah and that that's the kind of style. And if you listen to jazz, it's the same thing. Jazz drummers aren't just keeping time; they're like they're like all over. You know, and that's kind of <laughs> the whole point. And so yeah, in my and everything today is so groove oriented that yes. some people have forgotten. The kind of nature of having that kind of little bit of randomness, a little bit of. <laughs> I hundred percent agree with you, man. Absolutely. I remember there there are some uh, beautiful classical pieces that were recorded back in the sixties or in the seventies, and they, you can hear there were some mistakes in the tempos, but they were beautiful. That's that's why you remember those those songs is because they were they were so you know they they probably came from a mistake that the drummer. It's a little bit earlier or a little bit later, yeah. um, the kick or the snare. And for that reason, you remember that uh, that intro with such a you know wonderful feeling up on it. So it's it's great. Yeah. It's great. If you listen to like the Motown drummers, like the, the Funk Brothers and the session players at Motown, they're very tight, but there's a little bit of happy accidents going on, right? So there's these little yeah. off time things are happening in these three minute, four minute songs, but either that you can, an 808 or a 909 or 727 drum they can't do that you're a lin yeah. it's not going to do that it's going to do what you tell it to do but it's not going to do what a drummer does um exactly yeah absolutely and that's where i think it's kind of cool i mean I, I i played with real drummers and like if i give somebody a drum track i wrote the drummer's going to take what i wrote and make it a million times better than what i came up with and i realized you know can that's his skill set you know so I, yeah. I just like you know when you play with a musician you got to sit you get your your demo and you give your demo to the band and the bass player interprets what you do you know the guitarist interprets your demo everybody interprets it and kind of brings what they bring to the table so it's like when you guys do a session is that kind of like like if you do the demo and then you let the band kind of interpret what you did and kind of bring it to the bring what they do to the to the forefront yeah mm -hmm. um so uh usually i write so when i i write this song you mean when when we start the, writing the songs or when we record yeah, it yeah yeah if you write a song and you've got the you're the primary writer right if you write the demo then you show it to the band like you mm. might have had a bass line but if you have a bass player do you let him kind of rewrite it 
No. Uh, so pretty much most of the times I have the, I have already all the idea in my mind uh, in terms of you know the structure of the song. So I guess what what the other uh, musicians do is they put their own bit into it. They, yeah, yeah, that's, they yeah, arrange it right. or they explain their ideas. So, but I always I think you know um, composing music is really hard to do it together. Um, I mean, at least the first part is really hard because if you have an idea in mind, it's like a vision. You know, you have that vision, and it's. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the kind of music that I write, it doesn't come from a jam. It comes from a moment. It comes from a, a moment of random um, loading. How can I, uh, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, or random, yeah, you, you don't even know how to call it. You just, you just feel it and you do that. And then you build the songs upon it. And it's like a little opera, you know? It's yeah, a yeah. three-minute opera. And so you really, you really feel like it has to be like that. It's like it, it perfectly fits everything. And then once it's there, once the original idea is there, so the chord progression is there, the melody is there, the little hooks are there, and then then the, what, that's where the fun begins. So everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, I was sorry. There is a, there is, there is a siren. Are you okay? Yeah. 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 yeah I'm alright. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, so I was saying um, that once the idea is done, you know, in terms of melody and in terms of chord progression, then you, you can have a lot of fun with the arrangement. So I think that's where the musicians comes in and then we can work together on making yeah, yeah. the best out of, of, of an idea, which is just a, a diamond, uh, a diamond not sculpted. How do you call it? <laughs> but yeah. Have you ever yeah. had a situation where you're like you're, you, you have your demo, right? You show it to the band, everybody like, um, you know, works on it, then you realize that the original composition is actually really closer to what you want to do, and you kind of keep most of the originals. Um, no, <laughs> no, no, it never happened. No, no, never no, happened. no, because no, it's just because usually, uh, I mean, when I record the demo, I'm in my room, and the vocals, um, they sound great. I have a good, I have a good microphone condenser from AKG, uh, the two hundred twenty perception, which is great. I, uh, I, I really like it. Uh, but definitely, when you, when I go to the studio, you know, you record with a, a I don't know, with a Newman eighty seven, and you're like, okay. Yeah, I feel, I do feel the difference. I do feel the difference. <laughs> yeah, I'll just give you like an example. Like Bruce Springsteen did his album Nebraska, right? On like a yeah. fast four track. He did it in a hotel. And some of the songs that are on it are actually from the original Tascam. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So there's some cases in music history where bands have like gone into the studio, gone and done the work, and then they actually found that the original demo actually sounded better or had more honesty to it yeah they go with more of a stripped down version of it and say well you know i'm going to release that particular song <laughs> yeah this is it's it really good because they capture better. they capture yeah. the feeling you know in, the, in that particular moment yeah. and you say okay you know, that's that's exactly what we wanted so i might as well go ahead with that so i i totally understand yeah totally yeah understand. yeah sometimes like you you do a stripped down song it might be like in an album you have room to do that like when you're doing a single, then maybe you don't have room to do that you're trying to get perfection. But within an album, sometimes you have space to, to put a little nugget that might not be perfect, but it fits the overall concept. You know Absolutely. I mean? 
And that's why we use uh, um, saturation plugins to make the phone effect, I guess, because we wanted to record it from the phone. <laughs> so, um, and also nowadays, there's, I think the, the iPhone, the last iPhone has one of the best microphones I've ever heard. I think you can record some smashing stuff there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of stuff, you know, like, I mean, I, I've used Casios. I've used, yeah. this, like, you know, just sound uh, sounds on field recorders. You know, you, you know. Sometimes, you, like when you're recording, you know, it does. It's kind of whatever, whatever serves the song. You know, so sometimes you might not have the best mic, but you caught something that actually mm -hmm. worked. You know, and it might work. And it's like, hey, you know, it's actually going to work in the mix, so you use it. Um, Absolutely, because it, sometimes the the worst microphones can can give the right feel to the, to the sound. Yeah, it you know? gives you a character. It gives you something like Jack White is famous at the White Stripes for using like a $100 plastic guitar. And he yeah, could actually exactly. bring it into the studio and use it. And people are like, well, why are you using it? Well, because it feels, it creates this sound that, that you know, my $5,000 or $20,000 guitar doesn't. With guitars, I think it's the same. You know, you have that feeling maybe from a vintage guitar that probably you really love because it has that something wrong in it. <laughs> yeah, usually when something's wrong, like like I have modes that are from the 70s and they have like, you know, they're old and they have like issues that they're not perfect, but they actually create sound that, you know, yeah. maybe a modern mode's not going to do, but I can't get a modern mode to do it. And so hmm. it's like I might use the old machine and it's got problems, but it's actually that that problem is what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting the fact that the more time passes, the more all these analog um, music instruments they get the character they deserve. <laughs> so it's, yeah, yeah, uh, you, you'd be surprised. Like there's, some, some, there's some machines, you know, their effect pedals like a space echo. Like if you got a real tape delay like an old-fashioned tape delay system it actually uses tape you know they actually yeah. have like a really old space echo like a roman space echo it, yeah it, like it's like 25 30 years old and you're like but it does something that nothing that the new stuff can't do you know like yeah. a real spring like a, a physical spring reverb i have a a mode that has a physical spring in it for the reverb. Ah, man, you're it's making me so envious now. It's, it's not. It's not digital. Right? It's, <laughs> it's an actual analog, real spring. And when you, if you run a guitar into it, it doesn't sound like a digital. You know, it sounds totally different. So there's nothing yeah. you can't really capture it. So that no, you can't. And also, you're always gonna know if you do it with a virtual one. It's always gonna be an algorithm. So it's probably not never gonna be you know, all the, the little characteristics of an analog one. So I have to agree with you with this. Yeah, I mean, not that you can't use it and you have your laptop and you have your serum, you have all those things and it lets you have a more compact thing so you don't have a big studio and you've got to lug it. Or, like, I got to lug road cases around. Like if I do a show, all my stuff's like physical. So I got I have road cases like a band, you know, I got like six yeah. road cases. So I got to physically justify getting a U-Haul and driving all this stuff somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that looks like a, a lot of heavy stuff that you have to bring along. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a DJ. Like a DJ shows up, they got an SD card, they throw it into their Pioneer deck, and you know, they're like, okay, I, I can just walk away with a briefcase. I, <laughs> I got to actually have roadies like like you guys. They're like, I, you know, I have to have two guys in a, in a van and yeah. load up. You know, which <laughs> I kind of, that's what I like because I kind of come from that time period where 
I like the idea of a full live act that has, you know, a, you know, a stack of amplifiers and they're actually physically on stage with their gear. And I mm-hmm. like the sound of that, that w- and what that looks like. I don't you like know. the back pain, though. <laughs> I'm joking. The I'm back joking. pain, yeah, the back pain you can take away, but, but you know, <laughs> but the other aspects of it are kind of cool. I mean, you guys, like, yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to just be able to put everything into a, like a little CDJ and just show up on stage and just push the button, jump up and down, but I, I, I kind of like playing my boards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, so, I think so, it... <laughs> so you guys, um, the target date. Um, you said like in a, in a in a couple of weeks, you got some more new songs coming out. Yeah, we're uh, going video in a, um, not next week, the week after, um, which is going to be like kind of a horror themed um, uh, punk rock song. So we're going to use a lot of makeup. It's going to be very. Um, how do you say out of the box? So <laughs> we will see. Do you guys gonna... do the film? Do you have a film director, or you do your own stuff? I write my. I write all the scripts for the music videos. So I, I usually just, you know, I just draw and I write the the script. Oh, cool. Oh, you dropped off a little bit. Hey. You got your back. I you got your back. <laughs> yes, you got me. Sorry for the the connection default. <laughs> no, that's um, okay. We we can split. This is not live. It all gets spliced together, and then I republish it. So that's cool. Um, okay. So um, yeah, we were just talking about like where we were in terms of like your new album, uh, that in the video you were working on. I guess I was asking about uh, whether or not you use a video director. You guys like just self produce your videos. Um, so I, I write the script by myself in my room <laughs> and then I just send it to um, a videographer, uh, which, uh, you know, w- the problem is that we always try to find very cool scripts and locations and that come, it becomes to be, you know, quite expensive in the end, mm-hmm. but I can't, I can't help it. You know, I, I, as long as I have these visions, I need to make them real. And so, <laughs> so at the, in the end, uh, um, you know, we, we just... Come, we need. We just hire some videographer, and also we got some actors and stuff like that. So we do a proper collaboration to make this kind oh, of like a bit a of a cinem- cinematic. Yeah, like a full old school. Like I grew up when MTV first showed up, and so yeah, you know when the platform actually had videos instead of TV shows. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the kind of shit we're trying to keep on doing. It. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate when a band does a cool video because. I love that, you know, as a kid growing up, yeah. you know, being able to watch my uh, a band, you know, uh, actually yeah. do cool, cool videos, like especially in the heart of the new wave, like the Duran Duran videos were like, yeah. they were so well done, you know, they were like little mini movies. Uh, and, that, <laughs> and that kind of, you know, created the standard, you know, because initially everybody just had green screens and they'd be doing all this kind of really kind of corny stuff. And then you actually had real film directors start jumping in and doing little movies. Absolutely. And, 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 yeah, there's kind of mini movies, absolutely. Yeah. And so much creativity and narrative stories in it. So it's, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, it's cool. To, you know, some bands would just do a performance. But I like the bands that would actually have an idea. So it sounds like you guys like to have, like, ideas. Do you, do you actually insert the band 
like into the clip where you're playing or do you have like a full concept that doesn't really have the band in it and just have the actors in it? How do you guys do that? So I usually like to do a part of the video in which the band is playing just because I like to show up what we are doing and who we are, which is, I think, it's good for people to know. <laughs> yeah. um, at least there are faces. Uh, but I also usually write a narrative script, so it has a story. Um, I'm not sure we're going to do for all the songs that we're going to release, just because it, it becomes quite expensive, you know, to do videos, to have, you know, narrative stuff. And uh, especially, especially when we know, then, then the video is going to cost more than the song itself, which doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, um, that so, used to happen, though. I mean, some videos cost more than the production of the album. <laughs> Oh, yeah. When you have a big budget, I'm sure it can happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, back in the uh, day. Yeah, but then they used to find ways to get the record company to pay for it. But that was like back when companies actually would pay for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because MTV, you know, television was an actual channel for music to, to be heard. But nowadays, I think most of the people are on Spotify or on Tidal or on Apple yeah. Music. So yeah. they don't. Uh, and YouTube, of course. YouTube is the main. Yeah of everything so what we're trying to do is try to do something that still keeps that nostalgic feeling of a narrative narrative music video and it keep and allow us to be artistically uh you know in developing kind of a creativity in music videos as well uh, but at the same time not you know spending a whole loads of yeah, budget yeah, yeah. just for the music video. <laughs> so yeah yeah it's interesting because apple music sometimes allows like high high tier artists to put out like video albums like frank ocean yeah. had a video album that was like only a video album it wasn't even a release it was it was just on apple music and it was just it was a, like a 40 minute video album that you couldn't even buy <laughs> as an album but that's called that's called the musical man <laughs> yeah yeah and that's what i mean but I, I haven't seen apple or title do that it would be cool if other streaming services would allow like the, the the creation of like music videos to go with the albums. Oh, uh, I absolutely absolutely agree with you. Absolutely, I love it. I I think most of the times that's why people become so affectionate to some albums. It's become they then they become maybe musical theater shows. And I am a huge musical theater fan. I I am training musical theater and I love it. Uh, and so you know, doing an actual movie musical theater uh, team album, it's it's such a great concept and. Uh, so narrative and so involving emotionally that yeah. I would, you know, and I would do everything I can to actually get done something like that. <laughs> yeah, Bowie was really big in that. I was a big fan of Bowie because the way he brought theater to the stage when he created like yeah. Ziggy or he created like his uh, Thin White Duke or Aladdin Saint, he would create these characters and then he would like, he would bring all this like movie theater, theater theatrical aspects that you know, he was an actor and a musician and, you know, a dancer. And he was able to bring all those art forms into the presentation, which is really cool when you can do that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I watched his movie um, and it was absolutely great. I, I loved every, every part of it. I think, I think um, the, you know, this mix between movies, narrative movies and, and music, it should be done even more often just yeah probably I mean, back in you know, the 90s i think he did this thing called blue jean that that was like this yeah. like this 20 30 minute video that went with his album and it was just he created yeah. this whole character he had like he played multiple variations of himself and and it was just like really 
you know, super interesting when you when you were able to do that, when you were able to actually yeah. express yourself in a visual yeah. and a, and an audio way. You know, it's cool. Absolutely, absolutely true, man. And also, I think people, you know, nowadays they don't go as much as they used to do to the to the theaters to watch uh, musical theater shows. Yeah. And I think. If they if they actually had the, the the chance to do that, because I know you know they're also quite expensive for people. You know you might as well stay at home watching Netflix. But um, if you go there, you can actually feel the joy and the and the beauty of of an narrative piece of music. Because if it's well done, if it's contemporary, there is actually no reason why you shouldn't be doing that in movies as well. And you know uh, developing the music that way, I think. You know, people should get back to that. Yeah, I'm like a big fan of like what Andy Warhol used to do with the Velvet Underground. Like, you know, they oh, used, yeah. used to have these like big like presentations that combined like actors, you know, and visual artists with the Velvets, right? And so he would have Lou Reed and the Velvets playing in New York City in this art space and then having like models and painters and visual artists doing all this stuff at the same time. And it was kind of like a happening. Yes. And I think that that's really exciting. And I think, you know, with the modern technology today, there's potentially a way to kind of in integrate with a graphic artist and maybe a model and maybe like a visual artist and, and, and do something like that online. You know, you, you know, you, you yeah. potentially could do that and it could be pretty cool, you know, and, and oh, yeah. Actually, I think you just gave me an idea. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I might do that. I yeah. might do that. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I'm, I'm always work I've worked with uh, some interesting artists. I worked with an artist called Chernobello at Chernobello.com. He did an album cover for me and he gave me all these visuals that I use for my videos. He created like, oh, you know, yeah. like cartoon versions of my characters in my band. My band's kind of like the gorillas, right? So he actually created like a cartoon version of the of Fam Like a Ghost. And he created a, a version of Josephine. I have characters that represent ah. my band, right? Like like the gorilla. Oh, that's so cool, man. I and need so to like, see this. Yeah, so I, he, had, he created some cartoon, like, uh, character variations of, of, like, my themes. And we used them on a project we did a couple of years ago as a collaboration. But, yeah, it's cool to work with, with visual artists and stuff. I understand. I love to do it myself. So, yeah, that's cool. I look it's all a big community. And yeah. you need to... Uh, you know, to fuel each other with all the hearts and the arts and, and, and stuff like that, because we can actually, you know, develop music, not just as an audio piece of fire, but as actually influence for people's lives. And, uh, you know, why movies is probably the best way to do that. So I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my art, my daughter is actually a comic book artist and uh, we're, she's working on all these comic like graphic novel themes. And uh, at some point, you know, we're probably going to intersect and make like, some like cartoon character like videos that have my my ideas in it uh, with her, with oh. her visuals. So that's kind of cool having like a twenty year old daughter who's, who's doing that sequential graphic cartooning. Um, <laughs> absolutely amazing! Absolutely amazing! Yes. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, cartoon. I mean, anime. I'm a big fan of anime. I love the Warner Brother cartoons. I love Disney. I love Tezuka. Uh, you know, Japanese anime. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm a huge fan as well. So yeah, if you can if you can mix into anime, and the thing is, the way music is like it, the, we're always trying to find a way to get music, you know, you know, valued. If you can get into anime, if you can get into video games, if you can get into you know, like independent films, it's another way to get your your art, you know, uh, not just as monetized, but you get it to different audiences. 
and then you get more people to to know who you are, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hundred percent agree with that. Okay, well, I, I can only stay on this long, but yeah, we're gonna put this together within the next hour. Uh, we are part of Spotify. Apple um, Anchor FM is a Spotify company, and so we will have this on Spotify and Apple Podcast, along with nine other platforms, including uh, platforms like Overcast and Radio Public. So we have automatic automation that sends our podcast to eleven platforms all at once. Um, so that's-, that's great, man. I'm going to follow all of your podcasts from now on. I, I didn't know about it, but I'm actually very interested in this. So well, thank, thank you. you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, it, we'll send you the link to the Spotify and the Apple podcast, as well as the Anchor FM podcast. We have integration between Spotify and Instagram. And so when we put the highlight story of this podcast on our Instagram, it will allow people to go right to the podcast version on Spotify. Um, and then you can we'll promote it. it as well on our pages. Yeah, yeah, of you course. can share that. So, and people don't have to have a subscription on Spotify to listen to a Spotify podcast. You can actually listen to all Spotify podcasts for free. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, but we're just pushing that. So let's let us know what, uh, when you want to come back on the program. If you have, uh, you know, want to talk about another project, let us know. And we'll schedule that. And we enjoyed having you on, uh, Fabio. That's cool. You know, the we, the cons. I mean, now now we know how you created your band. We know more about your band and hopefully more people around the world are going to hear this and find out about your, your, your projects and everything you're doing. Are you there? Yeah, I'm still there. You hear me? Did yeah, you, I can I, hear you. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we're going to drop off now. Thank you for being on the program. We'll, we'll get this to you within an hour. We'll, go, uh, we'll let you know when the links are available. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such an amazing time speaking with you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Have a great night. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.